Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, hey guys, listen to me, listen to me, I need all you guys. This is what we train for. This is what we work for. This is who we are. We came out and we found the way. We always said it would not be perfect. We'll win the game. Welcome back to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host today, Kip Adams, joined by my esteemed colleague, Benjamin Mulk, and we are holding down the fort while our, uh, you know, our, our esteemed leader, uh, is is now just uh, enjoying the the eternal bliss of holy matrimony, uh, Jordan Hill. This one uh, goes out to you. Uh, it, you know, if you watch this, just know that uh, we're doing our best without you, uh, but we miss you, buddy. Looking forward to, to getting you back and hearing uh, what this new life is like for you. But man, it never fails. Someone uh, goes off the grid for about five seconds, and you know, news hits. It's just that's part of the job. And, you know, I shouldn't say I was surprised w- when it happened, but, you know, uh, it's coaching changes are happening left and right this offseason. Georgia had, I believe now this is the third coaching change we will undergo this offseason as wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Brian McClendon heads to the NFL. Um, ben, uh, just uh, your initial reaction on, on that and just uh, – Overall, just having this, you know, this news hit as it's just me and you holding down the fort at Dogs 247. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the probably Jordan, if he's listening to this or watching this, he's probably the most surprised person in the world that we were able to figure this out without him. Uh, so credit to us, really, that we're able to put on this this episode. But from, you know, to your point, Brian McClendon, of course, we, we found out immediately after Jordan, I think it was on Jordan's wedding day, if I'm not mistaken, might've been the day after. Uh, but Brian McClendon 
leaving for the NFL, not that super surprising of a decision. I mean, he's someone that is wanting to work his way up the coaching ranks. I think that there was a group of five job in the state that he was probably in the, in the running for as well, but getting the opportunity to take the step up from college to the NFL was something that he had been vocal about wanting to do and had the opportunity to do. He's going there with Liam Cohen, a guy that he's familiar with through the SEC as well. So there's some familiarity, familiarity there for him going to the Buccaneers. So I think that it's not a super surprising move on his end, but there are certainly going to be implications for it on Georgia's end. I mean, we got the opportunity on Sunday to talk to a few wide receivers and just check in with sources and things like that about what does this mean? Who does this affect? And I know that you you have a lot more info probably on Travis Smith because you talked to him more in depth than I did. But I think that what we really turn to now is who does Georgia hire? Because there were all the relationships that Brian McClendon had built up. We've written about him throughout the, the fall and into to the winter with Thomas Blackshear, Travis Smith, CJ Wiley, Edward Coleman, a lot of these in-state guys, you know, some of the more recent guys like Jamori Bryce, Sam Turner, other in-state prospects that, I mean, Brian McClendon had developed really, really strong relationships with. And in many cases, they'd been offered relatively recently. I know Travis Smith said to you how shocking of, a news update it was to find out that he wasn't going to be there. And so I think everybody right now, myself, yourself included, but mostly the recruits that Georgia continues to recruit at wide receiver are in a waiting game as Georgia goes through the hiring process, which I'm told will probably take, you know, throughout the course of this week and maybe beyond. So it's not something that I think Georgia is looking to have an immediate turnaround. They are afforded the luxury of it being in the middle of the dead period. So coaches aren't able to be out, on the road, these guys often have relationships with more than just Brian McClendon. So they have the opportunity to kind of not, I don't want to say stall, but take their time to make the right hire. And I think that's something that's going to do. Obviously, there have been some you know conversations that have already gotten started between Georgia and potential candidates. And I think that really it comes down to, you know, Georgia wants to capitalize on this in-state wide receiver recruiting class. It's a really, really good group. I think that they want to land, you know, a couple of those guys at the very least, if, you know, and likely probably go out of state for another. But I think right now it's hard to say exactly who Georgia is going to prioritize that position group until we know who it is they've hired. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned, obviously with McClendon, you know, heading to the Buccaneers, interestingly enough, He's now going to work with Todd Boyles, whose son Troy is a redshirt freshman linebacker at Georgia. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the job, it's going to be an attractive position. Uh, Georgia just brought in, you know, five new wideouts. You got three in the transfer portal. And you're bringing in guys like London Humphreys, Colby Young, uh, Michael Jackson, the third, you know, adding guys like Nitro Tuggle and Sokovia White to the mix. You're bringing back Dominic Lovett, Ra-Ra Thomas, Dylan Bell, uh, this is a very talented group, and obviously, just being at Georgia, this position immediately is, you know, one of the going to be one of the most coveted in, in the country. Just looking at how under Kirby Smart, coaches get promotions, you know, and uh, I think it, you, you start to wonder, you know, why would Brian McClendon, uh, you know, leave now? Uh, I think you're seeing guys going to NFL. He wants to be a coordinator or a head, and a head coach. He wants to take that next step in his development. Um, I, I think he probably had interest interest in you know some other jobs. The Georgia State job comes to mind. 
I still don't think they're going to be able to provide overall financially the kind of package that would be able to entice McClendon or, you know, even Dell McGee, uh, you know, at Georgia uh, for that job, just because, uh, you know, they're going to want to be equipped with everything they need to succeed. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that Georgia State's going to be able to provide what either of those guys want, but I'm sure that they'll try to interview both of those guys. Um, and so you, you look at that, but overall, I think the timing of this, um, I know that the players that have arrived at Georgia that I just mentioned are probably wondering, I wish, you know, maybe I wish I had known that before. That's the unfortunate aspect. Um, but to your point, as far as the, the timing, I think Georgia is going to probably, uh, begin practice March 12th. This is something they're going to probably want to get done in the next 10 days. And so uh, I think Kirby Smart is, uh, you know, not in Athens now. I think he's off and, and trying to get that small window of of time away from the job, but still doing Zoom interviews, interviewing candidates, and, and knowing that, again, with the in-state talent at wide receiver, you want to, you know, you want to be able to, to hit the ground running with those guys, but you also – you don't want to make a decision based on the wide receivers in this cycle. And I know that that kind of brings to the fans point, you know, bring in Terrence Edwards, bring in Heinz Ford, bring in these guys that, you know, you got to remember just a couple years ago, Georgia brought in a guy that people were kind of shook their heads. Like what, why is he bringing in this guy? He brought in Fran Brown, you know, a guy from up north and they're like why are you bringing this guy we need someone from miami a florida connection so how are we going to recruit the secondary and then georgia just proceeded to roll off two of the best secondary classes on paper that they've ever signed so i don't think you could just make a hire trying to connect with georgia wide receiver prospects right now with that in mind and i don't think kirby smart's going to think like that but i do think you know he's probably going to want to get an up-and-coming guy that can develop the position with NIL these days, you want to be able to develop guys and connect with guys because recruiting is different right now. You could, you know, you can be uh, one of the, you know, the best recruiting assistants in college football right now and still struggle to get the guys that you're in the mix for late. So I just think that there's a different dynamic and, and coaching hires right now. You know, if I'm looking out there at guys that kind of fit the bill, I know, again, bringing back to the Georgia connections, I, I think there's two guys that kind of stand out. Uh, ben, you might agree with me, but one being, you know, Jimmy Smith at Arkansas, uh, a guy that coached at Cedar Grove for a decade, won a ton of games, is out there with Sam Pittman right now coaching running backs. But obviously, just that connection with the state of Georgia, very highly thought of uh, in Georgia. For me, I think that might be, a, you know, a situation where, Maybe if Del McGee does get the Georgia State job, he would make a lot of sense just sliding right into that running back position. But the other one would be Josh Crawford at Georgia Tech. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's coached in each each section of Georgia. Uh, you know, won a ton of games at Colquitt County, uh, state titles, a national championship there as the wide receivers coach, uh, assistant head coach. Coached at Valdosta as well. Coached at Lee County, won a state uh, championship there. Also coached at Jefferson County. So you got Central Georgia in the mix there. And then uh, Greater Leonard Christian uh, coached there. Uh, put up big-time numbers uh, as the wide receivers coach at Western Kentucky and is now at Georgia Tech. 
Uh, he, he checks every box there as far as being a young coach, a coach with connections in Georgia, and a guy who could say, hey, I coached Darius Slayton in high school, and I've coached uh, prolific offenses as well. So I, I think that's a guy that kind of uh, checks a lot of those boxes. But at the end of the day, uh, I think he's going. Kirby's going to interview probably double-digit guys for this position because I'm sure he's gotten you know calls from every assistant from coast to coast wanting to be able to to have an opportunity at this job, and, and so he can take his time in the sense that he doesn't need to just pick a guy. One of the first guys that comes in, he can do a second round of interviews. And I think, like I said, the next seven to 10 days, he'll find his man and, and then he'll hit the ground running with a lot of these guys in the state. And as you mentioned, Travis Smith at Westlake, it was basically a reset button for him. Um, he had, he felt as comfortable as you can be with Brian McClendon at Georgia and they were the they were in the pole position in his recruitment. And I've mentioned him every opportunity you guys have given me on the pot. I've talked about uh, I just think he's that type of in-state wideout you gotta kind of uh you know hit the home run with and and get those guys any chance you can. And I still feel that way. Um, uh, but I don't think that you're gonna have to worry about Travis Smith just eliminating Georgia uh, because of the departure of Brian McClendon. I just think now other schools have a an assistant with a better relationship uh, with him right now, and then Georgia will get that opportunity to to get right back there in the mix. He's going to be back for spring practice. He's going to be back for an official visit. Uh, Georgia will get its chance to to get right back in the mix uh, w- with the top wide receiver targets in Georgia. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on it? I guess what Georgia needs to do at, at this position and, and maybe, uh, you know, just that impact and recruiting you think it might have. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for starters, you mentioned one thing there that I wanted to talk about too, Heinz Ward and Terrence Edwards. And I know that those are very popular names that come up whenever this spot opens up on Georgia's coaching staff. And I understand why, but I also think that we should look at what who Kirby smart has hired over the past five years for position coach openings at Georgia and be realistic about the fact that Kirby Smart wants guys that have been in the college ranks. They know what life is like recruiting in today's college football landscape. And oftentimes he wants people that are in areas sometimes that Georgia doesn't have as much many relationships in. And so I think because of that, it Cast a wider net for Georgia. I mean, again, Dante Williams wasn't a name that came up immediately when people were talking about hirings for the deep, for that spot. Fran Brown was the same way. Chadera Uzo Duribe was not a name that was brought up, you know, early on in that uh, hiring cycle either. So all of that to say, I think that you know Kirby Smart is going to be very precise about who it is that he goes to try and find and I think that as much as Heinz Ward and Terrence Edwards have some you know alumni benefits to them and both of them have various degrees of you know track record that qualify them for the positions I don't think that that's necessarily the nature of the position coach that Kirby Smart's looking for because it is a grind being a college position coach these days and so I think that he wants folks that know exactly what that's like now it's interesting you say I say that because you bring up Josh Crawford, who's someone who was able to make that leap 
from high school to college. He's someone that I think is really interesting for Georgia because he, you know, again, Brian McClendon is someone that's really entrenched around the state. Atlanta was an area that he was really strong in. South Georgia was an area that he's really strong in. And you mentioned all the various schools, Greater Atlanta Christian, Jefferson, Colquitt County, Lee County, Valdosta, that he's been a coach at. And that just means that he has hit, you know, his relationships all across the state of Georgia. And, you know, I talked with a few folks yesterday that are getting recruited, that are, you know, very familiar with recruiting across the state of Georgia. And I think that Josh Crawford would have a very positive impact when it comes to in-state recruiting the wide receiver position at Georgia. So I think that that's a really, really interesting name. I think to your point, you know, there's probably a lot more names and interviews to happen over the next several days. I think Friday is probably a day that I would have circled that that's when I would first expect to maybe see some real news trickle in about this. But one name that I'm just going to throw out there, and this is not me reporting anything. If you want what we're here seeing and hearing related to this, you can subscribe to dogs 24 seven, but a name that I find interesting that, um, you know, has sec ties has been around a bunch of different places has recruited really, really well at the wide receiver position of late, Sometimes is a little bit of a, a lightning rod, I guess you could say. But Damian Craig was not retained on the new Texas A&M staff. And he's someone that has recruited really, really well. I will admit I don't know exactly what all of his relationships are like within Georgia's coaching staff. But I do know that he's someone that has coached with a lot of people and has had a really good track record of late getting – you know, a lot of five-star wide receivers to College Station when, um, you know, their offense wasn't necessarily as explosive as their recruiting was matching up with. So I think that if Georgia's looking to find someone who is recruited at a really, really high level, I think that's an interesting name. I like it. I'll go ahead and and, and get that story and ad been ready to roll. I will give you small credit at, at the bottom of the article. Um, as we mentioned, uh, we we just got back from a loaded under armor camp in Carrollton, Georgia. And after we take a short break, we will break down what we learned from that event. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. And as I said, uh, the Under Armour Atlanta camp is always one of the top opportunities, especially for us in Georgia, to to get updates and and to get a often a first look at some of the top prospects across the country. Um, I will say that the the thing I'm most thankful of for this event is the fact that Carrollton has an outstanding indoor facility. Um, whenever I I rolled up around uh, 8 a.m. on Sunday. It was about 32, 33 degrees out there. And, uh, you know, as soon as I saw that uh, media registration uh, wasn't for another 15, 20 minutes, I went right back to my car and cranked that heat as high as I can go. But, uh, you know, it was an outstanding event. Once again, um, you know, the UC Report and uh, ESPN, all those guys, they do an outstanding job with this event. A lot of great access for the media and uh, overall. A uh, very well organized event. They've had, you know, been running this for a long time. 
I think that uh, they've really kind of locked in on, on what works for them and uh, the opportunity to kind of see guys, uh, you know, work out, uh, do a lot of position drills. Um, you know, it's it's a good setting and they, they send the video out to, to colleges across the country at no cost to these prospects. So overall, there's a lot of value for the, the guys doing it uh, and, and for us as well. Um, you know, for, for me, it's it's this is my first opportunity to see a lot of these guys. You, you see the names. Uh, we, we mentioned all the guys in Georgia, but also just across the southeast. They're all here at this event. And I think uh, this kind of allows us to to get that foundation for, for this class and kind of where guys stand, where Georgia stands with a lot of recruits. Um, ben, I will uh, let you start. Let, let's, uh, you know, let's kind of just break it down, I guess. Maybe not position by position, but let's just go, uh, you know, just start with offense. You know, maybe a guy or two that uh, you either learned something about in their recruitment or learned something about them as a player. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll start. Now, I mean, I don't know how much you could really learn about him, but I feel like if we're at Carrollton High School, we should probably start with Julian Lewis. He's obviously the quarterback that Georgia is in high pursuit of that remains committed to Southern Cal. Um it's obvious in seeing him, you know, I've seen Julian now at a seven on seven last year, a practice at his own school and then a game last fall. And now I've seen him in this sort of camp setting. So it's a variety of different looks at him. And every time I come away very impressed by his composure. I mean, this is a guy that just reclassified from the 2026 class to the 2025 class. And you would think that he was the veteran in the room. And I think that a big reason for that is just, you know, how, calm, cool, and collected he is. He's such a precise quarterback. He's a very savvy quarterback. And I think a lot of that flashed during the throwing sessions, especially when they got into some of the one-on-one type of stuff towards the end of the day. Um, you know, from like a, from a Intel standpoint on Julian, I think a lot remains to be seen. You know, I think that he, and this is my gut, and I put this out earlier this week as well, but like my gut is that he does not stick with Southern Cal right now, but I have that's not based in anything other than how his recruitment has seemed to unfold over the last several weeks, obviously making sure that he's taking visits to some of these schools in the Southeast that he really wants to consider. You know, I'm sure he'll get back to L.A. at some point, and that could be something that would solidify things for Lincoln Riley. But as of right now, it just feels like they, you know, when I say they, I mean the Lewis family is prioritizing checking out all of the other options just to be sure right now. And so for that reason, that's why I lean toward him ending up somewhere else. And I think that would be that would favor Georgia if that were to happen. Um, you know, other guys that I came away impressed by on the offensive side of the ball. We've already mentioned Travis Smith Jr., so I won't talk about him anymore, though he had a really, really good day. I think he stood out to me quite a bit. But Juan Gaston, I mean, this is six foot eight, 340-pound offensive lineman, someone that Georgia is clearly, you know, taking a very serious, serious look at. You know, I right when I walked in yesterday, I was talking to someone who runs the event, and they were asking me about some of the guys that Georgia is – recruiting heavily and who the Georgia really, really likes. And obviously Juan Gaston was a name that I mentioned in the response that I got. And this is someone that's, you know, been around a lot of football and coached a lot of football. They said, well, yeah, he looks like a Georgia guy. He's right inside, right inside that sort of uh, prototype that Georgia took last cycle, just taking really, really big offensive linemen. I mean, he's a super impressive athlete. He doesn't say a whole lot. I think he enjoys not saying a whole lot too, when he's maybe doing some interviews, but he is, going to take a look at some official visits here 
um, you know, in the, in the summer, in June, Georgia's absolutely going to be one of those schools that gets that official visit. And I think that will happen earlier in the official visit cycle rather than later. I think the Georgia's in a really, really good spot here, but um, you know, there's a lot of offensive linemen in this class that I think that Georgia is really feeling out right now and seeing who they should prioritize. And I guess I'll stick to the wide receiver position too, or to do the offensive line position too, while I'm there, Cortez Smith, he's someone I put in a crystal ball pick for him to Georgia. I think that there's not necessarily a true, true center in this class that, you know, blows Georgia away. Cortez Smith is someone that could really play in multiple spots along the offensive line, but has been getting recruited as an interior offensive line. And just because he is such an intelligent football player and because of his work ethic and the way that he carries himself, it reminds a lot of people of Cedric Van Pran. I think that because he's snapped a lot and that's what he was doing a lot in the camp on Sunday, um, you know, I think that He's a very strong candidate to be the right fit for Georgia at the center position in this class. And I came away really impressed by him in the one-on-one sessions. I mean, he's not, you know, we've talked a lot about the 6'8", 340-pound type of guys on Georgia's offensive line. He's not necessarily that, and that's why I think he probably projects more inside and maybe more at center. He's not going to just blow you away with his frame, but, I mean, he's a solid 6'4", 315, 320, and he moves really, really well. And, again, this is someone that's been – I mean, he's I think he's a 3'9 GPA, has been recruited by a lot of really, you know, high academic programs. And so, you know, those are three guys that – um, you know, I found it, I found it interesting, you know, obviously Mike Bobo was able to be in attendance because, uh, his son, Jake Bobo was in the camp and I, I found it interesting. It seemed like he had a, a close eye on the offensive line and things as things were going on. That might've been me reading too much into things, but I think everybody gravitates towards the one-on-ones. And, uh, I think that was probably the case for him as well. Yeah. You mentioned Bobo and, uh, that kind of, I found, found that interesting just because, one of the quarterbacks that I thought looked impressive out there was Harrison Faulkner. And you, you see that, you know, both their, uh, their sons were out there competing. Uh, and you see Bu- Buster Faulkner and Bobo standing up there and you realize Bobo actually, uh, his son transferred. And that's because Harrison Faulkner at North Oconee is, I mean, he's lighting it up. He's, you know, he is uh, projected to start for them. And it's kind of just that interesting aspect of of high school, especially for quarterbacks. Um, Bobo uh, transferred to Prince Avenue. And it's kind of a small world for for these coaches whenever, you know, uh, you you see the sons of the coaches transferring for for playing time at the high school level, Um, uh, sticking at quarterback. Obviously, I think this month, or the month of March, the upcoming month of March is going to be huge for Julian Lewis, possibly April as well. I think this is it. This is USC's opportunity to get him back on campus in March, try to get him back on campus for their spring game. Um, I, I think right now you're, you're kind of, they're probably up against it with that. You know, they have to convince him, hey, you don't need to open this up for the right fit. And I just think that the fact that, uh, he, uh, you know, this is follow the visit mode. The fact that he is going to visit schools like Georgia, Alabama, you know, probably Auburn and Colorado as well. Uh, I think that kind of shows you that he is a lot more open than that, you know, verbal commitment would lead you to believe. And I, I think Georgia 
is a threat. I'm not, you know, I don't think anyone's projected a flip from him yet, but I do think once you see him get on campus this spring for those visits, I, I think that, you know, if the new staff at Alabama impresses him, um, you know, if Georgia continues to impress him, I, I think he's going to open up and then you're going to see once again, just one of those five-star quarterback recruiting battles. And uh, I, I think that's going to be probably the, the, the main recruiting storyline uh, for the rest of the spring. Um, for me, I guess, uh, sticking on offense, uh, the r- running back Alvin Henderson uh, from Elba, uh, you know, you kind of got a better sense, at least I did, uh, of where his recruitment stands. I, I think, uh, you know, when you see elite prospects in the state of Alabama, uh, you, you just kind of pencil them in. You know, it's always been it, it's either going to be Alabama or maybe, you know, maybe Auburn has a chance. Um, but I think right now, for me, I, I think he's – going to leave the state of Alabama to play college football. And if, if I'm give, giving a, a favorite right now, I would say it's Florida State. I just think the connection he has with that coaching staff stands out a lot. And uh, he was pretty clear about that when I asked him, you know, who's doing the best job recruiting you? Um, you know, he mentioned the coaches uh, at Florida State. He also, uh, you know, he mentioned the coaches at Alabama. But I, I think right now, that relationship uh, with the coaches at Florida State, it stands out to him. If anything, I think Auburn's probably the school that's, you know, giving them the the best battle right now with Derek Nix coming in there, replacing Cadillac Williams, kind of stepping right in. It's interesting because uh, this is where I realize that we haven't even mentioned all the coaches that left Georgia's, uh, you know, staff since we last recorded. We had – uh, Scott Cochran and Daryl Dickey also uh, departed the staff to, to follow other opportunities. And with Daryl Henderson, uh, with Alvin Henderson, th- he actually said that had an impact on him because Scott Cochran's the one who gave him the offer to Georgia. That was a, a coach that he had a connection with. So Del McGee is, you know, kind of working, uh, doing a little bit of makeup work there with someone from the state of Alabama. With Scott Cochran had the ties there, um, but. Henderson was just at Georgia last month. They're making him a priority. They've told him, you know, he's uh, at the top of their board. They want him to kind of, you know, come in and and be their guy in this class. They're going to get him back on campus. I think, uh, you know, that's a situation where Georgia still has a big opportunity because I do think, you know, he's still got five or six schools that he's heavily considering. He's looking to take official visits once again, those official visits, uh, June is the biggest month in the recruiting cycle. It will be the biggest month of this recruiting cycle as well. And Georgia will have its shot to, uh, to you know, to merge as the leader in his recruitment. And I really like the the few reps I got to see when we, you know, kind of went back in in between interviews. He looked great. It's not really a setting that's built for running backs, but he had some wins there. Uh, you know, looked really fluid um, and sticking with offense, I love Cortez Smith. Uh, I think that the guys who can play center, you really want to find guys like that. I really liked what he brought to the table. He's not the biggest guy, but um, he's one of the few guys I saw actually win a rep or two or hold his own against Justice Terry out there, which well, we'll talk about the defensive guys later. But uh, he had uh, probably the best rep I saw against Terry out there. And, I mean, that's that's a physical um, – I don't want to say mismatch, but that's a tough assignment, uh, getting a one-on-one assignment. Uh, most of these drills are 
you know, just there's a position that has a clear advantage. It's offense almost every time. Uh, be, because again, uh, you, you kind of, uh, you know what, uh, you know, that, I mean, it's defense every time because you know what the offense is going to do. I mean, you're not, you don't have, you can't sell run block and it's a pass rush drill every single time. So the defense of the edge guys can just kind of pin their ears back and just use their best speed moves or the best counter moves. Uh, you know, uh, it, it is a difficult assignment out there, uh, for for the offense so i was impressed by him another player that i was impressed with is actually already committed to, to georgia ethan barber uh tight end out there not the biggest guy uh but georgia's you know just showed that you don't have to be a, a darnell washington or a 6'6 260 pound tight end out there to the win and i think ethan's kind of in that same mold not a Brock Bowers, but a, just the same size uh, and a guy that wins with ball skills and refined pass catching skills. That's exactly what uh, Brock Bowers did at Georgia. You know, he refined that skill set and made the most of everything he had. And that's kind of what I saw about uh, from Ethan out there. Uh, he was one of the best pass catchers. He was the most consistent pass catcher I saw out there. A lot of guys uh, still have a lot to learn from the technical aspect uh, out there as far as route running, as far, as far as using their body and not catching the ball with their body. A lot of body catchers at this point, but he looked outstanding out there. Um, but I, I think when you look at this camp, uh, the edge group and the defensive line group, uh, it was it was really strong. Um, for for me, I thought you know some of the maybe uh, you know the top two or three guys out there uh, overall at the camp were in that group. And for me, the the most physically impressive person out there it was Justice Terry. I, I just think again, a guy that's six five, two hundred eighty five pounds. Um, you know you. He had a you know a billing coming into the group. A lot of he was already highly touted, but he lived up to it. I think he uses the size really well. He's not heavy footed. Um, he dominated the one on ones, as I said. Uh, very impressive reps. Um, just really quick off the ball. Um, one of the better swim moves I've seen in you know uh, the last couple of classes. Um, he was walking guys back as well using power. Uh, he was, he was probably the most impressive guy I saw out there. Um, and then it, it was kind of interesting. It, it didn't really seem fair, but Tyler Atkinson's out there playing two positions. Um, and I, I think at edge, it just, it just, it, it just seemed like a complete mismatch just because, He's so explosive off the ball. It felt like, you know, he didn't even have to get into a stance. He could just, you know, go full speed every rep and kind of sprint past these guys. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I think his skill set's really interesting because he's a he wasn't, a, you know, a pure edge guy. Now he's converting to linebacker. He went, you know, I didn't get to see as much of him out there at linebacker, uh, which is, you know, ultimately because of his length, I think where he probably ends up at the next level, maybe a hybrid guy. Um, but as far as edge guys, um, him and and maybe Jordan Carter uh, were the guys that kind of impressed me just with, uh, I want to see first step quickness. I want to see guys use their violent hands. And I think uh, Douglas or uh, Jordan Carter, the 2026 edge from, from Douglas County, uh, were the guys that kind of used a combination of moves, didn't have to win just on speed. Um, I think 
you look at those guys and you have to be excited about the the 2026 uh you know edge and linebacker group in the state of Georgia. Yeah, I mean I'm with you. I think that 2026 group of Jordan Carter and Tyler Atkinson might have been the most impressive performers that were out there, which is saying a lot because especially at edge for Jordan Carter, I mean you look at I mean, the, the top edge rushers that were out there is basically Georgia's recruiting board right now. I mean, it was Isaiah Gibson from Warner Robins, Jared Smith from Thompson in Alabama, and Zion Grady from from uh, Enterprise in Alabama. I mean, you know, there's a case to be made. Those are three of Georgia's top four or five edge options in the 2025 recruiting class. And so I think that says a lot about Jordan Carter at Douglas County because he's someone that I, I've written about this a bunch. I've written about him throughout the last you know six months or so. He is wired the way that Georgia wants its guys to be wired. He is itching for reps. In these camp settings, you can really go in and tell who wants reps and who maybe wants to shy away from reps so they don't get exposed. And Jordan Carter and Tyler Atkinson were two guys that were out there just wanting to be on the field, wanting to be out there getting reps. And who knows, maybe it's, you know, 2026 class, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. You're too naive to know that you should, you know, whatever. But either way, those guys are both just super high energy, really, really talented football players that I think are going to be very productive at the next level and will be on the next level. Um, You mentioned Justice Terry. Obviously, Justice Terry, there's a reason he's a Georgia commitment already because he looks like a Georgia commitment. He plays like a Georgia commitment. His arms are freakishly long. And, you know, Georgia's also recruiting Elijah Griffin at a a, similar prototype in the 2025 class. But I think Georgia, if they felt like they could package those two guys together on the defensive line, that would be one of Georgia's better defensive line recruiting classes in a really, really long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really, it was that front group, that edge rushing group, all those guys that we just mentioned, Justice Terry on the defensive line, and then Tyler Atkinson at linebacker. There is a guy, uh, Malik Malik Autry. He's an Auburn defensive line commitment right now. I thought he had a really good day. Um you know, I spoke with him after the event and he said that Georgia hasn't been recruiting him as much lately because, you know, they feel that he's firmly committed to Auburn, but he admitted that he still wants to take visits to a few places and continue checking them out as well. So he's someone that when George is able to get out and see him in the spring, it wouldn't totally shock me if they became a little bit more of a factor for him too. Yeah, it's interesting because we're talking about this this edge class and, you know, that's the one position where – you know, I now I left with maybe more questions than I, you know, than I had coming in as far as just how you stack that board. Uh, I know that, again, Jared Smith, the measurables are there. I mean, it's it's is those are he's a creative player at the edge position. And then, you know, obviously, Zion Grady, uh, you know, a big time target as well, who is very high interest in Georgia, you know, if not having them at the top of the list guys, you know, guys who weren't there like Bryce Davis is also heavily involved. And then for me, uh, you know, the guy that impressed me most out of the group was Isaiah Gibson. Uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, kind of like Quintavious Johnson in this last cycle, kind of like Gabe Harris in the cycle before, maybe a guy that's, you know, versatile enough at, I guess, six, five, 255 pounds to, play edge, but also, you know, play some five technique at the end of the day. Um, seeing him out there and, and, and 
just see how, you know, this, the, how comfortable he was on the edge. I'm like, well, you know, I kind of maybe had him pegged, uh, you know, as a, as a D lineman, but now I have to slide him into that edge group. And for me, I, I have a hard time putting anybody ahead of him on that board just because of, I thought he was the most impressive of that group. So obviously you have to project a lot at the next level. Like I said, with guys like Jared Smith and uh, they're, you know, recruiting uh, five-star defensive lineman, Elijah Griffin, uh, you know, to, to play kind of the similar role as I just mentioned. So I'm glad it's their decision and, and not mine because uh, I, I would probably um, have a tough time, you know, convince uh having anyone convince me who is number one on that board i could be argued any number of ways which is why this the spring eval period will probably be really important for georgia moving forward i'm going to do my best to uh you know honor jordan with a basketball minute (laughs) and you know what Uh, i wish i could bring you guys good news um another uh close Hard-fought home game uh, for Georgia against Florida on Saturday. They were up by 11 at one point early in the game. And once again, I guess it was, uh, you know, you kind of felt like Charlie Brown. You're just running up to kick that football in the the second half. Again, uh, they went over 10 minutes without making a field goal, uh, making a shot in that game. They had eight turnovers uh, during that stretch eight missed shots, and they fell to Florida 88-82. They are now 14-11 on the season. They are 4-8 and eight in the SEC. And, well, guys, uh, you know, those tournament dreams are all but up in smoke now. Georgia will have to go on a, you know, an epic run and maybe hope for a, a tornado or two in the in, in the Atlanta area during that SEC tournament. That's probably their best chance of, of getting in, but – the NIT is is still uh you know up for grabs if they are the top uh Georgia team that does not make the tournament and get an automatic bid to the NIT. That is still something that, that they can play for. And I, I think that is, is what you have to hope for if you're Mike White. That keeping this group in the mix, you've seen some growth out of this out of this group. I, I think that uh you still want to finish strong because once again, you're on a six game losing streak for the second season in a row. So uh, that is what you have to work for. They will take on, I believe, Vanderbilt uh, on Wednesday and uh, we will have that covered and we'll have all the rest of the news covered over the next week as we await the triumphant return as uh, from our leader, Jordan. But for this edition of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Kip Adams. He's Benjamin Wolf. You guys take it easy.